Hey everybody, Ron Burke, Editor-in-Chief for Gaming Trend, here to tell you a little bit about an upcoming game that might be of interest. 12 Realms Dungeon Land, a new Kickstarter effort from board game veterans Mage Company, is finally underway. Before you can commit your dollars, I imagine you'd probably like to know what this game is about. In 12 Realms Dungeon Land, an evil and powerful magic has mutated the populace of the 12 Realms. As the source of this evil is unknown, it's up to the player to tackle dungeons, banish twisted evil monsters and villains to save the 12 Realms. In the game, players take on roles like Prince Charming, Red Riding Hood, Grumpy Dwarf, The Wizard of Oz, and many more familiar faces from popular lore. Taking between 45 and 90 minutes for a session, the game is not an expansion, but in fact a standalone game, and if you own the previous 12 Realms games, you'll be able to use them with a conversion kit. Foes including werewolves, bandits, bosses, and other beasties are AI-controlled, meaning that all players get to be the hero. The game is built for up to four players, including being able to play it solo, and it's aimed at ages 13 and up. Dungeon Lane will also feature a campaign mode, an arena allowing up to eight players to square off, and a new unique mode called Master Quest. In Master Quest, players who can't tackle the 45 to 90 minute complete campaign can tackle a single scenario complete with different endings and boss battles. The game is live on Kickstarter, so hit our link in the podcast to check out all the details and pledge for yourself. Keep an eye on GamingTrend.com for a full look behind the scenes, and stay tuned for our eventual full review. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to the Gaming Trend Reboot Podcast. Uh, I don't actually remember which episode it is this week, but that's uh, immaterial anyway. 473. 473. No, that was last week. Oh, that was last week? Yeah. (laughs) You know what? Our intros are always the best when we don't have Joe on the show, guys. Have you noticed that? It's always way more professional and scripted when Joe's here. (laughs) And then whenever he leaves us, it just evolves and it just becomes awful and casual. Well, he he didn't leave us. We fired him. That's true. We fired it. Yeah. Uh, so first news story this week, Joe DeClara has been fired from the podcast uh, effective immediately. So he'll no longer be on the show. Sad um, face. Yeah, sad face. You're right. Just kidding. Uh, anyway, I'm your <laughs> Just host. kidding. No sad faces. Yeah. <laughs> We're all happy. Dance We're all party. happy. So I'll be your host for today. My name's Mike Pierce, and I am joined by two other editors at Gaming Trend, one of which is a frequent guest on the show, Mr. Hunter Wolf. How are you doing, Hunter? Hey, listen. <laughs> okay. Was okay. That the little fairy we are, we're listening. Zelda? Yes, right, that's, that is the little fairy from Zelda. I'm very good, Mike. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. You are welcome, Hunter. And we are also joined by... Mr. Josh Devlin. How are you doing, Josh? I'm doing fine. How are you? Mm. Good. Drinking a beer. Good. Tastes pretty good. Nice and beer cold. Is it? It's... What's uh, on tap? It's a, it's a microbrew here from Seattle. I doubt you would have heard of it. Try me. It's called... It's Okay. It's from a brewery called Hales Ales. Yeah, I've never heard of and it. The, right. And the, the actual name of the beer is El Jefe, like the boss. Oh. You know, what if we have... What I if we have him. listeners... Out in on the West Coast, who know um, that microbrew? If they're, I don't know how far Hales distributes. If they're in and around the greater Seattle area, they would have heard of Hales. But I doubt if they were anywhere outside of Seattle, they would have heard of Hales. They hails from Seattle. They do. They hail. <laughs> the hails. Hails. Hails from Seattle. He just beat me to a word pun. I haven't even <laughs> got one out yet. Who are you? Told you. Were you? <laughs> Better hunter. <laughs> 
I Hunter, you just got upgraded, man. I think you just got you just got usurped because I may not even have to worry about show. being fired. I might just be replaced. Yep. Yeah. Even worse. It's it's a slow. It's process all about automation happening. these days. Yeah. Josh is actually AI. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it's all the future is all about automation, man. This is the beginning of the end, right here. I will say, if they make AI based off of my personality in the future, I would be content with that. Just, <laughs> just a whole bunch of hunters just around. Would what would you guys do? What what? All right, what would a circle of hunters around a fire be doing? What would they be talking about? Oh, good lord! That's they would be making question. shitty dad jokes all day long. <laughs> One would probably be laughing hysterically. They'd all be fighting to talk the most. Um, but they'd be fighting over the first one to get the pun out too. Yeah, yeah, probably. Oh I, man! Wow, that's a really good question. I'm gonna think about that because that's really intriguing. Imagine a circle around a fire of just people like, well, you. Oh, that's so cool. I like that. <laughs> maybe, maybe that'll be our question for the week next week. What would you? Yeah. What would? A cl- like 10 clones of yourself around a fire all be talking about <laughs> it's like they did an episode of naruto like that once like it was just a filler episode but it was one of the good ones what do all the no naruto can make clones of himself for uh, like fyi and there was an episode about the clones what do the clones do it was really good hmm. i don't know if there's a good filler episode of naruto they th- we we don't need to get into that here, but they ruined that show with yeah, sure. episodes. <laughs> yes, right, I well, would agree. Before we get any further off topic, uh, as much as I'm enjoying this, we do actually need to talk about the news. And it's actually a bit of a light week this week, surprisingly, um, despite everything the Cheeto Fuhrer has been doing in the background. The who? Um, the what? <laughs> yeah, what? The, uh, sorry, euphemism for Donald Trump. Oh. <laughs> Cheeto Fuhrer. I've never heard that. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I should not be bringing politics into the show, but uh, no, I just did. Not at all. Just so. tasty. It's, fa- it's fact that our president keeps things, uh, keep our news weeks busy. Yeah, right. Uh, so speaking of news, the, the biggest news story this week is that um, Xbox Game Pass has been... Uh, announced launch June first, and it's a it's a little bit like Netflix. It's nine ninety nine a month, and you get unlimited access to what looks like over a hundred Xbox and Xbox three hundred and sixty games yeah. uh, at the moment. And some of the highlights for the initial launch include uh, Halo Five Guardians, Gears of War Ultimate Edition, which Josh just informed me is actually the remaster of the original Gears of War, not um, not kind of like a Master Chief collection sort of a thing. It's it's not all the Gears of War. It's just the original remastered. Yeah, no, that would have been um, too cool. Right? Yeah. I know. <laughs> uh, you get Payday 2, uh, NBA 2016. Um, I love it when they give other, out like, year-old sports games. So stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what else is weird? Like, So as part of this... They've got backwards compatible the the Xbox 360 version of the original Gears of War, so like not remastered or anything. Yeah. Um, 
And they got some other stuff. The original XCOM, Fable 3, Sunset Overdrive. but um, Banjo-Kazooie. Right, yeah, that's a very important that one to mention. How Viva could I forget? Pinata. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, don't even bring up Viva Pinata. If... That was the game that made me interested in Xbox. Like, I don't remember... I don't weird. I don't think I can pinpoint my point of entry into games, but I remember when I didn't have a 360, that Viva Pinata commercial, where they're just like talking pinatas. I don't know. That sticks out in my mind. Well, speaking of uh, entry into games, this whole this Xbox Game Pass is what they're calling it. Uh, they're offering a 14 day free trial for this for gold subscribers. So if you're not sure if you're into it and you don't want to pony up the, the cash right away, then you get two weeks to try this thing out and see if you'll actually make any use of it. Yep. Um, and I'm assuming it's going to be one of those things where they ask you for your credit card. And at the end of 14 days, if you haven't remembered to cancel, they're going to go ahead and charge it. So yeah, it is. yeah and, I would be aware of that if you sign up for it. Yeah. And the trial applies uh, after this two weeks. So it's not available for non-gold subscribers until june 1st and then after that there's going to like always be a two-week trial period right right so what do you guys um i should also mention it's pretty widely available i'm not going to read the whole list of countries but um it's uh, i don't know 30 countries or something here i'm looking at all the all the major markets uh most of europe um some of south america australia lebanon asia yeah (laughs) Wait, is it? No, hold on. I have no idea. No, it's not. <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, what? Really, <laughs> Lebanon?" I don't know if Lebanon has internet. <laughs> they uh, probably don't. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I I wanted to know what you guys think about this. I mean, it's like I said, it's kind of like a Netflix thing. And I know Josh, you're you're at the moment struggling with um what game to play but we'll get into that later mm-hmm. but is this something you guys would actually use or is this just you feel like this would be something that would be almost like you'd be overwhelmed with choice and you wouldn't take advantage of it sort of a thing yeah i i can say i think that how people are going to consume game pass is different from how people consume netflix so well right there's a similarity in that um, with Netflix, they encourage binging, so sitting down for long sessions um, to just, you know, crank out a whole season of a show. Um, and that, you can parallel that to playing a long game, for sure. But I mm-hmm. think inherently when you want to play play games, it's a different kind of experience than, than watching, t- watching TV. I personally, I would use Game Pass to pick up a title I haven't played before play it until I'm satisfied with it and then pick something else or um, and that might not be how everybody else does but how do you guys think you would consume it um, I would play as many games as I could in the 14 day trial and then not pay and never play it again <laughs> <laughs> because well <laughs> that's a very honest answer I like that Josh <laughs> well I mean okay it's interesting. I, I can't remember the podcast I was listening to um, that wasn't games related, but it did talk about. Um, How I, dare you listen to other podcasts <laughs> besides this one? I know. I'm Goddamn so traitor! So bad. Um, kind of went into the like the the back end of, of how Netflix works with regards to. Um, there's a couple styles of content they have. They have content that brings you 
or brings Netflix new subscribers, big like Netflix originals, like Stranger Things, where everyone's like, okay, you have to see this new show. So you're like, okay, I'm going to get Netflix so I can watch Stranger Things. And then there's right. your your good old like Jurassic Parks and your favorite movies that are on there already that they're more like your comfort food. They keep you on the surface. The problem right. that I see with this Games Pass is that it's all the latter. It's all stuff that's been around for a while that you've either played or all your friends have played and the ship has kind of sailed on the hype. I mean, they need, I would love to see a game service and it's expensive, but it really gets you subscribers. Netflix has proven that it works. Like their Netflix originals are not cheap to produce, but they're super rich because they have them. If you could just maybe start off with some indies, say, Hey, we've got an Xbox games pass original title that you can only get here and if that if that title is really good and blows up people are gonna be like oh wow let me let me subscribe so i can play this new game that everyone's talking about they don't have that and because they don't have that kind of not interested yeah you know phil spencer um, head of xbox was on ign a couple weeks ago and he said as much for the service um no there were no definite plans right now that he could talk about, but he was hoping eventually to have Game Pass exclusive or, or Game Pass Game Pass originals just like that. Which Perfect. honestly, I think we've talked about on the show before how Xbox is sorely lacking in exclusives. This could be the platform Game Pass where they start to reel those players back in. Yeah. No. Yeah. See, from a business standpoint of view, uh, I think you guys are right on the money. I think they need they need that exclusive premium content that's unique to that platform to be able to attract people to it. And and like you said, Josh, there's Netflix and plenty of other examples out there to to point the finger at as a great example of how well that works. Um, so I'm, I'm from a business standpoint of view or, or, or a business point of view, I'm totally totally on board with what you guys said, but. Um, like as a as a gamer the only thing that concerns me about that is i don't like if there's a game i really want to play i don't necessarily want to have to buy a subscription to be able to play it um sure i would prefer to just buy it and that i have the same problem with uh, some of the software stuff that's going on now you know a lot of um non gaming software is turning to a subscription based model like microsoft office now is all subscription based. Uh, I think almost every Adobe product now is subscription based, and you, you like you just can't buy those outright at all mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah. You just cannot buy full copies of those, and that kind of pisses me off. Um, and so I think I would be if it was an indie title or something like that, like you suggested, I'd be totally fine with that because I'm not huge on indie games for the most part. Mm -hmm. But if it was something I don't. I can't think of an example, but some big title that I really cared about that I really liked, um, and it was only on, you know, this uh, Xbox Game Pass, and I had to buy a subscription. I wouldn't be too stoked about that. Now, that having been said, I know I'm going on a bit long here, um, but it's nine ninety nine a month. So with tax, you're looking at just under eleven bucks or something like that. And that's pretty affordable when you think about it, because let's say it takes you a month to get through one game. I don't know. 
pick a game, any game. I mean, hell, most people, it doesn't even take them a month. So most people, it probably takes them a week or less. Mm -hmm. But let's just say in the interest of the the argument that you're slow, you've got stuff to do, you've got a busy life, wife, kids, whatever, and it takes you a month to get through a AAA title. That's 10 bucks. That's 10 bucks, right. So when you look at it from that point of view, that's pretty damn affordable and probably yeah. pretty attractive to a lot of people. So I'm kind of torn about the whole thing. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm looking at the list right now. There are a lot of games I don't know and probably I'm not going to play. But there are also a lot of games that um, have I know of that I would want to play. And yeah, I'm, I personally probably wouldn't get through you know, more than two of these in a month in addition to the other games I'm playing, but just the uh, amount the, the amount of games that you can get here is appealing to me. And what's more is if um, Game, game Pass has a feature where if you have the subscription and you're playing a game and you really like it, you want to buy it, you can buy it, and I think it's like 20% off uh, the, the retail price um, on the Microsoft Store, whatever that is. It's going to be like the full price that they said. But Oh, really? Uh, I didn't see that. Yeah, and uh, there was another special deal that went with it, but it's like it's a 20% discount, basically. Oh, uh, oh and I think there's a discount on DLC for it. That was the other thing. For games um, that have DLC, you get those at a certain discount as well. Wow. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm kind of I'm I'm torn about the whole thing. Um, I mean, I think it's a great idea, and I think it'll be very attractive to people. Certainly, if you're one of those gamers that, um, you know, I was the, my one month example was on the conservative side deliberately. But you know, if you can get through your average game in one week, then shit, ten bucks a month is a steal. You could be going through four or five games a month for ten dollars, which is absurdly cheap. So yeah, and you we'll brought up something. You brought up something interesting too, which was if a new big AAA game came out and was only available on the platform, you'd be pretty upset about that. I, I don't think that they would do that um, in the same way that Netflix does their Netflix originals. Can you buy? Um, can you buy, say, like Stranger Things on on DVD, Blu-ray? Is that a thing? I don't. I don't. Think no, so. I don't think so. I don't think any Netflix yeah. series are, are on Blu-ray. Yeah, I've never. I've never heard of hard copy media for any Netflix original show. Yeah, well, we'll see. That that's the thing is, I I, I can't remember that long ago, but I have a feeling people were probably saying the same thing about Netflix when it originally started. When it was yeah, rough around the right. edges, people were probably saying, "Why would I want to pay a monthly service to watch a movie when I can just pay?" you know, $5 to rent it from Blockbuster. Well, how many Blockbusters are there? Crickets, crickets. <laughs> right, you know, right. it's like, you know, I have a feeling that the, the way, like subscription services is just the way of the future. Like if you're going to push back against it, you're pushing back against a brick wall or a mountain because it's not moving. It's not going anywhere. Um, yeah. Games, games, all games now are, are going to be pushing, you know, are pushing towards, you know, being, games as services destiny 2 and that you know we'll talk about it hitman is one of those you know like mm -hmm. games that just continue to progress and, and evolve and you know people are paying for them in smaller chunks or this that and the other thing so yeah 
there is that that element of subscription fatigue, which, Mike, I think you were alluding to. That's a phrase I've heard thrown around for a while now. But um, I do I do think that in with that point in mind, this could be this platform could be um, a competitive advantage for Microsoft over Sony right now, or just you know its competitors because no other company has this service for games right now. I mean, you have like. Is Gamefly still a thing? Does anyone even use that? <laughs> I don't know. I, didn't they? Didn't they incorporate themselves with uh, Redbox? Maybe you might be did. right. He might be right. I think they did because, like, when I go to the grocery store and I see the the Redbox machine, I'm pretty sure that the the video games they have are somehow attached to Gamefly. Could be, but yeah. I mean, you know, Redbox itself has been declining in in market value for quite a while i think they're probably on their way out pretty soon anyway because of fucking a netflix digital so, services yeah. are just what people don't want to if they can click a button and get the same thing instead of having to go to Publix or whatever grocery store their red box is at that's gonna they're gonna click the button it's just a lot easier yeah yeah well and you're totally right too josh i mean i i realize that subscription stuff is the the way of the future for sure and uh and you're right i i don't think i don't really know if it's worth um resisting it because uh, there's probably not a damn thing i can do about it so <laughs> you can yeah. you can honestly sit on your rocking chair on your front porch and mumble like an old curmudgeon you can do that i remember when yeah i kind of feel like that already <laughs> yeah i feel like, like he already does that actually <laughs> yeah i fucking i knew you were gonna say something like that yeah. hunter Back when you reminiscing of Pepperidge Farm. Yeah, back when I lived on Pepperidge Farm and we had hard copy media, we didn't have subscription based services. We, we used to have paper manuals that we read. <laughs> I have to walk ten miles to the grocery store in the rain every day. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to um, the next topic, which is. Something a bit more controversial, um, and this has to do with Far Cry 5. So we, we touched on Far Cry 5, I think, last week and maybe even the week before because um, it was teased, or no, it wasn't teased. It was leaked by a local Montana newspaper that there was a film crew, uh, and they had been filming some sort of a scene around a church and maybe like a grain silo or something, I want to say, mm-hmm. and someone within the film crew had... Um, given a brief statement to the newspaper that they, I think that they were somehow involved with Ubisoft. Somehow it, it got leaked. I, I forget the news story, but anyway, so uh, now we've, we've got the far cry five, uh, cover art. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for those who haven't looked at it, it's, it's becoming quite controversial. Basically there's this backdrop of Montana. Uh, and then there's a whole bunch of sort of, white supremacist redneck looking dudes gathered around a table with various weapons knives guns uh all sorts of shit and uh he's got the the main guy the the leader kind of has his hands open and what looks like maybe a bible on top of an american flag and then there's someone that's been bonded that's got like sinner either written or tattooed on their back and yeah so it, yeah, the the pose, the people at the table, I think it's supposed to harken to Da Vinci's The Last Supper. Yep. I was just going to say, yeah, The Last Supper. Yeah. And uh, this so. character, evidently, he's called the Minister. And if you look, he's got a um, 
minister's collar on, but it's reversed. It's a white shirt with a black collar instead of a black shirt with a white collar. So there's some type ah, of interesting. play on. Yeah, it's Hunter. You 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 seem to have been a little bit more in touch with the social media realm. What's been going on <laughs> in that area? With regard, well, I just have seen people have a knee-jerk reaction to this because immediately they see okay, they see America, they see a bunch of white guys, they see you know country. And then they think, oh no, politics, someone's going to get offended, this is controversial. I haven't seen anybody, one, we don't really even know all that much about this game. This game could go two directions. It could really go into um, the, these themes of you know, ultra-nationalism um, and white supremacy and stuff. Um, or it could just kind of be like a colorful backdrop for the game and I mean it's Far Cry so it's probably going to be bombastic action and blowing stuff up and you can probably fly planes in it I'm assuming now but people are like calling it controversial before it's even uh, controversial I feel what are they uh, so do you have a sense of exactly what they are saying that uh, that they're claiming is controversial about it is it just all the imagery involved the, the sort of the religious imagery, imagery clashing with this sort of uh, white supremacist slash redneck violent murderous kind of stuff or what am I totally off base here like what is it that they're complaining about no I think you're I right think... go ahead I think you're right um one thing I, I I don't understand this there's two points um people are people are saying this is this seems very heavy-handed and and over the top um I don't know if they live in another world, but there are people that are really like this. There are white supremacist yeah. religious cults that, you know, whether they act on their, you know, what they say, but they talk about hate crimes and, and you know, killing people of other races, you know, or just, you know, violence upon other people that are not within their own sector. So I, I don't know, yeah. you know, like you said, Hunter, um, people are saying that this seems like a little bit, you know, a little bit like, I, I don't know. You didn't use the word over the top. That's what I'm going to say. Um, and I don't, I, it, for one, it's a video game. So yeah, of course. But two, yeah. like there are, <laughs> this is, this is to an extent, this yeah. is real life. A real thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, you also have. Um, kind of these like sovereign militias that that operate kind of without um, a lot of oversight. Um, like what was that one called, Black Blackie or um, or you're talking about Blackwater? Blackwater, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, those, that's not a militia, man. That's a that's a mercenary group. A mer- right, mercs for hire and all that. But these kind of like groups do exist. Is my is my point where they're armed. And they kind of don't have a lot of governance. Yeah. Right. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. This whole thing, I'm, I agree with Josh. Like, I don't know what world people are living in because this kind of shit really does exist. I mean, you know, maybe not exactly the way they're portraying it here that they have like 
uh, uh, like some domesticated wolf with like a bloody cross <laughs> dyed into yeah. its fur or whatever you know and some of this other weird shit that's going on like a yeah, dude yeah. with a raw hunk yeah. of t-bone steak on the table with like a big cable knife sticking out it. of it and yeah. all this other stuff but white supremacists are a real thing and uh and they generally are involved heavily with religion i mean there's a reason that the term wasp exists white anglo-saxon protestant like this here these people to me kind of typify that term they are white presumably they're anglo-saxon and they're probably protestant of some flavor so there's a reason that exists and um obviously this does not accurately represent all the white supremacists no. out there but goddamn, sure. it's not like this is they're not reaching into fantasy land here this kind of crap does exist there are people that believe in the same sort of shit so i think i think i can express now why i think people fear this is going to be controversial coming from a completely unbiased um standpoint here i think that um we're in in irl we're in a very heated time <laughs> po- politically, right? Um, there's a huge political divide. And yep. um, we've kind of um, created what we call the other. There's like people with our beliefs and then there are the others. And typically um, we just group all those others together. And com- coming out of the election, I feel like um, a person's uh, typical uh view the the stereotype of a Donald Trump supporter is this um, country redneck um, ultra right nationalist and I think I think that is why people fear this game is going to be controversial because because they recognize that is like the stereotype and those are the people that stereotype is what is on the Far Cry 5 box art so you're saying basically that um potentially Trump supporters or or people that are stereotypical Trump supporters would probably be upset about um, what looks like a, a portrayal of them, potentially, yeah, in this video per- game? Perhaps. I mean, heck, white supremacists voted for Donald Trump, right? So um, I, I think that I think that is the stereotype that exists. I'm, I'm not speaking to it myself. I think that is a stereotype that exists. I think that is what um, people are. Uh, that's why they feel this is going to be controversial. I'm, right. I'm sorry. If you find that this depiction hits too close to home with regards to who you are as a person, you have a lot more. <laughs> you have a lot bigger issues to worry about uh-huh. than what Far Cry Five has to say. Um, yeah, well, well, fucking said, Josh. And one more thing, I want to say, just um, with regards to like this industry, um, like this whole thing about like how scared the games. Um, I don't know if it's the consumers or the industry as a whole, whatever is 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 fearful of controversy, shows the like the immaturity of this medium, like. As like as sure. a like a like as a community because this kind of stuff is talked about in other 
forms of entertainment, movies and film and books and all that. And it's, yes, there are going to be people who are, you know, will lash back at, you know, those things. But as a whole, it's generally more accepted. Whereas you get a picture in Far Cry 5 of anything controversial and it blows up. We can't have controversy in our games. Why can't this medium, this medium will never grow to be accepted by, I, I don't know. I don't want to say the ma- I guess the masses. I don't know. It, it it doesn't have any room to grow if if we're always scared to push out of the box. Push boundaries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Yeah, and you know, I don't. I really doubt that this game is going to yeah. offer much <laughs> political commentary in the first place. So again, we have people just like you said, Josh. We have people who are jumping to this conclusion there it's a knee-jerk reaction because people don't want politics in games they don't want social commentary in games i i read and i remember this um bioshock infinite when that launched um years ago i mean that probably wasn't that long ago but when that launched that made a lot of waves because wasn't there that one scene in the game where um you you can choose there's like slavery in in this fictional city mm-hmm. um, that's per- portrayed in Bioshock Infinite. And there's like a scene where you can choose whether or not to throw a baseball at an African-American yeah. in the game who is, who's on like being displayed and publicly rid- ridiculed. Um, and that made a lot of, uh, that was, that made a lot of headlines as well. Um, but that game had something to say. Yeah. And, and I, <laughs> And I, I agree. I think that um, not every game should be political, but we shouldn't um, you know, invalidate or we shouldn't um, discourage developers from creating um, these these experiences that have commentary and that have something to say. Yeah, because you know what's going to happen if if the backlash from this image reaches a tipping point. You, it's not. It's not unsurprising to Ubisoft for Ubisoft to say, okay, hold on, wait a minute, maybe delay the game and kind of, you know, maybe smooth some of these edges and and just give us a product that's has less robust characters or a story that's less interesting because they feel they don't want to step on anybody's toes. And I mean, I don't want that. Yeah, it's, you know, so we'll see. You know what? I oh yeah I agree with you guys on 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 all counts and I and I think there's something else going on here too and this isn't just I'm not pointing the finger at um at white people I mean hell I am white but it doesn't really matter what um but the I I think there's a how can I say this for a lot of people and populations anywhere in the world it's always easier to blame and point the finger at outsiders than it is to point the finger at people that live amongst you or around you or in the same country. And so I think um, in general, it's easier if for a game like Far Cry 5 or whatever, it takes place on some tropical island and you're fighting a bunch of people that look different than you. It doesn't necessarily matter whether they're Asian or Hispanic or African or whatever, but they're different and it's a different location. So it doesn't hit close to home, but the idea that this sort of thing could potentially exist 
and that they're very bad and crazy and awful and brutal, I think really has gotten under the skin of some people and that they're not comfortable facing facing that reality. Uh, and and I think that's something that exists all over the world. That's not exclusive to the U.S. That's sure. any population can feel that way. But I think that's part of what is fueling um, this seeming seemingly like controversy out of nothing, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, is because people don't like to see their same. I don't know. What do you want to peer? Peers isn't the right word, but you you know where I'm going with this. So I'll yeah. just I'll just be quiet. No, no, it takes place on American soil. It, um, it hits close to home. Like, this is something that is happening around us that it's one of those things in life, kind of like you were saying, you can ignore some some things that are happening around you, some injustice and stuff or whatever, but um, they, they happen, and, um, yeah, people have a hard time facing, um, facing those things, especially when these issues don't directly um, impact them. Right, right. Yeah, you made an interesting point. Josh, you point. got anything? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, last thing. Um, when you talked about, you know, people feel okay with going to an exotic location and, you know, warring on on other people of other cultures and whatnot. Um, like, f- f- just from Ubisoft's most recent example with Ghost Recon Wildlands, there was a very large stereotype from your enemies in that game. It was just that every Colombian is a Colombian drug lord. And I didn't hear a single peep from any of the community, video game community, that, oh, why are we portraying Colombians as this, you know, that this yeah. drug, you know, these they're all drug warlord. Like, no, that's not real life. It's But there wasn't a backlash on something like that. But like you said, Mike, when it hits home, when it's on our soil, people are all of a sudden in an uproar. So I found that interesting that you. Yeah, so, and- just a just a brief correction there. It was Bolivia, not oh, Colombia. Although I know sorry. I know why you're saying that. I mean, Colombia is like the re- the real life hotbed of of where a lot of that stuff has gone down with Pablo Escobar and all that. Yeah. So oh, they all they um, all sell drugs down there, anyways. You know, whatever. Right, but <laughs> yeah, the really the really the really point on that. Um, um, yeah, I think actually I read a story that the government of Bolivia had they had an issue yes. with with the game, um, and they were trying to take action against it. So again, it's just like you said, you know, when it's when it's happening in our backyard, you know, yeah. Then we have something. You're to right. Say. You're right about that. So I'm sorry, Mike. What's really ironic about what Josh said in comparison to to my point about this Far Cry cover? Is that, um, like you guys said, there, there really, I think there was a little bit of talk about people objecting to the way Bolivia and Bolivians were portrayed, but not much at all. It really didn't, it, it wasn't controversial and it really didn't make any headlines and you didn't hear anything about it. Um, and, uh, like the really interesting part though is that the controversy that I do remember hearing about with, um, Ghost Recon Wildlands was the portrayal of the American goddamn soldiers. Oh, jeez. And do you remember hearing about that? A little it, bit. Because the the American soldiers and the CIA agent that you interacted with regularly did some pretty shady shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially the CIA agent. She did a bit of um, sort of. I don't know if you. I don't really know what our official definition of torture is anymore these days. <laughs> um, but. Yeah. 
she definitely did some seriously borderline shit and used some pretty nasty tactic tactics and was willing to go um into some pretty dark places and do some pretty some pretty brutal things to to get the information that she needed and to uh take down this cartel and if I, re- I I played through the whole story and I remember the the soldiers were kind of a little bit resistant to it at first um and then they kind of started going along with it but anyway the the point is the only real controversy that came out of that game was the portrayal and the behavior of the American operatives and not any of the native bolivians whether they were criminals or civilians or or what and so that I think that just lends even more uh weight to this argument that um it's tougher to face when it's close to home Mm -hmm. basically yeah so unless you guys have anything else to say i think yeah um i think planes are confirmed far cry 5 yeah it makes sense (laughs) good good change of subject yes yeah and uh and on that note uh, one of our other editors, Amy K. Purcell, actually did get a look, an in-depth look at Far Cry 5 with Ubisoft earlier this week, and uh, I had a chat with her about it, so we're going to go to that real quick. Amy, why don't you go ahead and tell us about uh, your trip to Ubisoft and checking out Far Cry 5. Awesome. So um, I got to go to a very nice hotel with mm. a very nice boardroom to meet some very nice Ubisoft people to talk about Far Cry. I was, not going to lie, kind of excited about going to Ubisoft HQ, but that wasn't in the cards. Um, but we got to see a whole bunch of uh, awesome footage and um, stories that actually were not included in any of the announcements, and I would love to say more, except I signed an NDA that says I cannot. <laughs> ah. um, See, why did you even have to tell us that? Because now, now I'm I super know. curious. It's so mean of them, and it's so mean of me, but I say that with love. Right. <laughs> um, so... This particular installment, like, guys, I'm not going to lie, I'm not really an FPS fan. Um, It's not my jam. I actually like watching people play it, but playing it myself is not my my strong suit. You're more of a Pokemon gal. Yeah, I like turn-based, okay? I'm old school. All right, all right. Uh, I cut my teeth on Super Mario RPG. (laughs) Um, Actually, I cut my teeth on original Super Mario, but okay. Um, But... I am a southern lady, and I grew up in Texas, and I remember the Waco compound, and I remember the Oklahoma City bomber, so the setting of Far Cry 5 was so shockingly familiar to me, it was almost uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, we were, we've were we been talking about this, and this has been, uh, it's been in the news a lot, The um, that, like, picture, the cover art that looks a lot like The Last Supper... Yeah, um, I think Da Vinci's Last Supper is mm-hmm. the one that's it's being compared to. And if you and, look at um, my uh, my recent article about it that went up, I guess it would be Friday if you're watching the re- listening to this now. Um, it actually had the wide, the complete full picture, uh, because the first reveal was actually a cropped, narrow version of just the key players. Yeah, I, so I was wondering about that because I don't even think I've seen the full one. And there's like in the cropped one, 
that I did see, there's this mysterious hand coming in from the right-hand side, and I was like, what the hell is that supposed to symbolize? No, in fact, the long one, there's like a bear, because in this game, you could actually hire cougars and bears to help you fight. You can hire them? Like, you negotiate a price with cougars and bears? There are, like, animal tamers that you can pay to bring this bear or a cougar with you to go fight the crazy cult people. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so it was really cool. I got to chat for a while with Dan Hay, um, who's the writer and executive producer of the game. And he kind of gave us this, like, he gave kind of a tour to me and a couple other people. And then I got some one-on-one time with him to kind of talk about, Hey, I'm from the South. This feels really familiar. Tell me more. Right. Um, it was actually a really neat conversation because I had literally just watched, um, probably five documentaries about, Ruby Ridge about the Oklahoma City bomber um, who was inspired by Waco and Ruby Ridge. So uh, all of it felt incredibly familiar and intimate to me. Um, Only partially because I'm from Texas. (laughs) Um, And, you know, one of the things I had two immediate reactions, uh, one of which was why Montana? And the more he talked about it, the more I understood because... um, I saw a lot of immediate, and it was funny to me having spoken to him, I saw a lot of immediate reactions of, why did they do Montana? Why didn't they do the South and the KKK? Right. And, um, you know, it was pretty clear that they wanted to not tell a story where the bad guys were, they're clearly bad people, but they actually have an almost logical reason for what they're doing. Um, these people genuinely believe that there is a collapse coming. They genuinely believe that the world is in danger and it's their job to save it. Um, Which, yes, is a little bit crazy, but there's a lot of people in this world who feel that, especially with all the talk about America first, with Brexit, with all these things happening. This is actually very relevant to modern times. And And, just to interrupt there, was that something that he said his name was Dan Hay? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, was that something that he intended or was this like a, have they, I mean, cause I don't know when they started writing this. So is this something that he started writing prior to all this or he said, he told us that he started writing it four, four and a half years ago. Okay. And, um, he, I wasn't able to fit this into my article cause it was too long as it was. Um, but he had this whole thing about he remembered when he was a child growing up towards the end of the Cold War. Right. And it felt like things might go south at any time. There was this real pressure, and pressure was the word he kept using. And um, I'm a little disappointed that one, the assets that we didn't get, one of the assets we didn't get that we saw in the presentation was this beautiful, grungy, vector-based graphic of this person standing on the edge of this cliff and looking down and there's nothing else. It's just this silhouette of a person, silhouette of a cliff and nothing else. And they put a star that said, you are here. Hmm. And he said he started writing it four, four and a half years ago and it didn't quite seem right. And he said they were kicking around all these different ideas of how to bring Far Cry to America. They knew they wanted Far Cry to come to America a lot of the ideas felt obvious. Um, I specifically asked him, why are you doing, um, you know, what inspired this homegrown threat? 
whereas most of the other games are going with an alternate history or an invading army, and that's how everything's coming to America. Um, he really insisted this felt homegrown. This felt something... This felt like take America back at the grassroots. And when Brexit happened, when the America First rhetoric began happening, it just felt real. And it just felt like the right time to do it. Interesting. Yeah. And he said he turned on the TV one day as he was trying to decide was he going to pitch this or not. And he saw the Brexit announcement and he went, it's time. (laughs) I feel the pressure again. I remember this feeling. Damn, that sounds like a really cool interview. A really, really interesting, but really heavy interview as well. It was well. very intense. Damn. I, yeah, that's really, that's really interesting to hear. Um, God, yeah, like that, because that cover art instantly just... It's so powerful, and I don't know if you've watched the video of Reverend um, Jerome. Uh, Is that sorry, the, the guy in the... Um, there's, he's a, he's a God and Guns preacher. That's right. There's the three that you're talking about, like the three uh, character videos. I haven't watched those yet. I've only seen the trailer and the cover art. The one that spoke to me was Reverend Jerome. And I, I don't know this man, but I know this man growing up in Texas. And he is a pastor and he like has this monologue about we didn't listen to their concerns. We didn't understand. We didn't interact. Um, But the father, which is the name of the cult leader, the father, he did. He heard them. He spoke to them. He played off them. And he just has this amazingly powerful moment of, if I cannot be their shepherd, then I must become the wolf. Damn. Yeah. It was, I mean, actual chills when we were watching this for the first time. And I'm not going to lie. I thought I was going there to talk about Assassin's Creed. Right. I think everyone did. Like, yeah, I think we all, I, we all thought it was going to be some sort of a unity reveal. Exactly. And or origins. Um, Sorry, origins, not you. Yeah. And I walked in there and sat down and I'm like, I'm ready for Assassin's Creed and they went up put up Far Cry five and I'm like, Oh crap. I don't know that much about Far Cry. <laughs> and then they started showing the setting and I'm like, Okay, this I know. Like I'm ready to talk about this because this is my hometown. This so it is... turns out we picked the perfect person to send to Ubisoft, actually. I grew up in Texas. I went to college in Michigan. I went to school, or I went to summer camps in Branson. Uh, and none of those are quite Montana, but it's still that kind of frontier spirit, that kind of, we take care of ourselves. Um, you know, uh, the, the pillars of this game are faith, freedom and firearms which yeah that's a a good way to sum it up it is and it's also the most far cry statement i've ever heard that's true that is pretty much yeah that is like far cry in three words it absolutely is you have the freedom to do what you want i'm not quite sure where the faith part comes in other than you're usually fighting against some sort of a cult and then firearms that one's pretty that's self-explanatory very much and oh my god the firearms in this game just from the little bits that we saw you get to have crop dusters that have homemade machine guns mounted to them (laughs) dog fights dog fights from the west fuck yeah i'm i'm pumped i like and this is coming from someone who's not a i'm really not a far cry fan but i was i was really intrigued by the cover art then further intrigued by the trailer yeah um 
And now after after hearing this stuff from you, now I'm really... You know, um, and I know I sound like I'm just like... And I, I will honestly say, I have watched Far Cry being played. I've never played Far Cry. Like, it's not my kind of game. And I'm like, I need to buy this game for my friend and make him play it so I can watch it. Like, I... The amount of research that went into this, the amount of genuine... Um, you know, the crew spent time in Montana getting to know people, getting to know the land. And it, as someone who's seen a lot of caricatures of, you know, people who are rednecks, of people who are cults, of people who da 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 da, um, this feels very genuine and this feels very. There's no way that these cult people aren't crazy, but there's still a respect being played to, um, especially to the. So in this game, you actually have to build your own militia. Oh, wow. You have to recruit townspeople to help you take down the cult. This is crazy. This is like... It's a pretty cool departure in a lot of really cool ways. And you get your pet dog. You have a pet dog who you love, who goes with you, and can help you take down the bad guys. This game is sounding pretty awesome. (laughs) I, uh, like... And the, the fact that it's a really, really relevant political commentary, um, I think it, it really it really gets me excited about it, but I think it's going to engage a lot of a yeah. lot more people as well, as long as it doesn't... It may push some people away, Yeah, sure, well, that but. was actually one of my first questions, because like I said, I'm from Texas. I'm from people who are very much about religion and firearms. And I said, you know, do you... Have you had any reactions? Have you had any concern about people feeling singled out or targeted or attacked and um dan hay you know writer said he did his very best he went out to montana he met people and he really got the feeling that you met these people and you started talking to them and you understood that if shit went down they could handle themselves right and he said and that's what these people in this game are is they are people who are very real are very salt of the earth and they grew up in this town. They have roots in this town. And they're the ones who are saying, this cult doesn't represent us. This is not who we are. And those are the people that you recruit to help solve this situation. Wow. I really, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. So let's, let's um, steer away from the from the political commentary and the right, tougher right. parts for a minute. <laughs> as much as I, like, I could talk about that for an hour, easy. Um, but we talked about that at length a while ago as well, uh, we previously on the podcast. So let's, um, can you share any details about gameplay without, without breaking anything? I mean, I don't want to um, ask you any questions you can't answer, but what, what can you tell know. us about the gameplay without, uh, <laughs> without stepping on any toes? So it remains very open world. You can go and recruit people. You can go and do different things at different times. Um, mm-hmm. there's not like a solid timeline you have to follow. So very Um, Far Cry in that sense. Very Far Cry in that sense. Um, There's some very cool new things, such as um, you get to fly crop dusters equipped with machine guns and bomb people, which, oh my god, I want to bomb people from a crop duster, (laughs) please. Um, With your pet dog in, like, the back seat. Right? Um, And, you know, Dan was really excited about that. He's like, this is an entirely new vector for this game. We've never done this. I'm so excited to offer this. Um, so yeah, there, there are fangs for hire, there are guns for hire. So you have militia who join you. You can also just hire people to go and shoot people. My favorite clip that I saw, and this speaks to my, 
to my southern roots um, was a clip of someone driving a tractor and dual fisting pistols. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I want to do is drive a tractor and shoot people with two pistols. Um, And then the other thing that spoke to my southern soul was uh, there was a clan member who was charging the player at one clip and the player whips out a... uh, We've set a pitchfork and stabs him with a pitchfork. Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, (laughs) So, you know, from what we saw, you get to drive muscle cars. You get to drive off-road vehicles. You get to hijack big rigs, um, planes and boats, guns and machine, uh, guns and grenades. Um, We, you know, we we got kind of a tour of how the story is going to start. But um, as far as actual gameplay, we just kind of saw a quick montage. So that's, uh, you know, that's what we got. Right. You didn't get any hands-on time, I take it? No hands-on time. Um, I've been assured that will happen at E3. So Ah, keep an eye out on E3. Right. Right. Awesome. Damn, I, like... That is so cool. I have I have so many questions about this game. I am really I'm really excited. But we we do need to talk about another game. Yes. That you've been checking out recently that you're equally maybe even more pumped about. Guys, which is I am I am not just Southern. I am an old school nerd, and Star <laughs> Trek Star Trek was my bread and butter. My father introduced me to the next gen when I was I don't even know how old and. Uh, Wait. So you're are you a next gen or are you uh um what do they what do they call it? Do they call it the original or what's yeah, the uh, OTS? OT. Oh, see, I didn't. Okay. Or uh, TOS, the original series. Oh, okay. I'm dyslexic. Which, you're what? <laughs> I'm dyslexic. Numbers oh. <laughs> and letters do this flippy <laughs> right. thing in my brain. Right. Um, I I appreciate both, but I grew up with next gen. So you're a Picard fan. I, I am an all fan. I, I am the nerd who even likes the reboot, and I recognize what's wrong with the reboot, but you know what? I love it anyway. Um, and I'm nerding for the new show. But for those of you who have access to a VR rig, it should be out either when or shortly after this airs. Star Trek Bridge Crew is a must-have. It is a 40-hour VR game. I have played and reviewed a lot of VR games and none of them have been 40 hours. Right. Yeah. They're always, I, I mean, I don't have a VR rig yet, but you, I always get the sense that they're like the maximum seems to be around 10 hours. Yeah. They're, and um, they're usually less than that is what it seems like to me. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I have access to what at my work, which is amazing. And, um, you know, I've played the star Wars trials and Tatooine, which is one of the best introductions, but it's only five minutes long. But you get to use a lightsaber. Right. That's pretty I mean, that's cool. pretty nerd-tastic. Um, right. The other really one that just really blew me away, there were two. There was uh, Symphony of the Machine and there was Narcosis. I've got both reviews for both of them up on Gaming Trend. Um, they're both amazing in very different ways. But Bridge Crew, I legitimately got access to it, played for an hour, uh, you know, just basically got through the tutorial left it on and basically told everyone in the office, don't even start the game. Just go and sit down, put on the visor and look around because the menu is so visually stunning before you even get into the game itself. You were on a shuttlecraft leaving earth going to, it's not the enterprise. It's 
I'm a horrible fan, and I don't remember the name of the spacecraft right now. It's an experimental NX spacecraft. And you're on your way Well, that's your a lot more than I know about it, so go <laughs> so the, <laughs> that's impressive okay, to me. Okay, here's my nerd. The NX means that it's an experimental spacecraft. That's, ah. the, that's, the, that's the connotation for experimental. Okay. Um, and what's amazing is this is a, you can play it single player, but it's a four-player co-op at its best. And you can interface, it is available on PlayStation VR, Vive, and Oculus. So all and three. All three, and you can connect with anyone playing on any of those. So you're not stuck on just playing with other Vive players or just playing with other PSVR people. Um, I almost wish we had recorded this later because Ron, his wife, and other Mike and I are going to play this weekend. <laughs> and I'm going to tank us. I'm going to be terrible. But... <laughs> I'm well, you're have just going to have to come it. on the podcast next week and gush about it then. Oh no, force me! Oh no, twist my arm, make me talk about Star See? Trek. <laughs> right, right. It won't. It, it sounds like it's not a tough sell. So we'll, I, we'll I only on go to Comic Con as a red shirt. So you know. <laughs> Doesn't that mean you die? Though? Yeah, I have. A, I put a giant wound that I, I do Vulcan ears, and then I remove half my eyebrows, and I put this giant phaser wound with green blood because Vulcan's been green, and I walk around Comic-Con in a red shirt. Do you actually remove half your eyebrow? Like you uh, I use, pluck the hair? No, you can do a glue stick, and then you put concealer over it so you look like you have the Vulcan eyebrows. Ah, uh, okay. I was going to say, because that is dedication right there, but Amy. Holy am, shit, you're actually getting rid of your hair <laughs> just for am, the costume. I am a very bad Vulcan, though, because if you... Um, people watching this listening to this can't see but i have purple hair and it is cut to two different levels and that is not a very vulcan approved but you're, i have to be half human you know yeah Spock you're like the human. new you're you're a hipster vulcan yeah i'm, I'm like the, the rebellious vulcan right yeah and i'm right. clearly very bad at it because i died and no self-respecting vulcan would die as a red shirt right absolutely so I just tell really us want an excuse to wear pointy ears <laughs> So tell us more about the, like, I get it's it's a VR experience, and there's a 40-hour campaign. You can play it solo, or you can play it up to four-player co-op, but um, give me a sense of, of what the gameplay's like, like what you do right. as a bridge crew member. Like, can you pick the different, uh, like, are you the captain, are you yeah. the navigator, or whoever the, I mean, I don't know. Tell me. Right. Tell me. So there are um, four different positions that you can play. You get to create your own character. However, character creation is a little limited. You can be a human okay. or you can be a Vulcan. Um, I kind of wanted to be a Klingon, but that was not allowed. So do you I'm get just... to pick gender or anything or yes. skin color? You or... can do male, female. There's some pretty in-depth customization. It's just restricted to human and um, Vulcan. I will say that in the tutorial, it defaulted me to female, which I thought was an interesting choice. Uh, caught a tiny bit of leg between my dress and the edge of my uh, control seat. <laughs> control panel. I was like, oh, okay, that's why they chose female. Um, there are four positions you can play as. There is the captain, which is obviously what most people are going to dive into. Right, right. You can be tactical, which is kind of my thing which is uh you control weapons you can control shields you can scan other ships and you can you know that's that's my jam um there's navigation which i am so bad at oh it's horrible you have to control you know the the ship in three dimensions you have mm -hmm. to 
power up engines, you have to power down engines. Um, that's crazy. There, and then there's engineering, which engineering is a fascinatingly complex system uh, position because you have to decide how much power the weapons get and how much power the shields get and how much power the engines get. And that can cause fights between your teammates because obviously weapons and shields need full power, but we also need to get out of here. So engines need full power and who wins that you get to decide. Uh, engineering's also in charge of you have a limited number of repair crews, so you can dispatch crews to repair damaged systems and you can dispatch like one person or all four people. But if all four people are working on the one and something else blows up, then you're really in trouble. Right. Um, there's also, so the AI is pretty decent so far. Um, but if you have a real person working engineering, they can do this awesome, horrible, wonderful thing that the AI will not dare do, where you can actually add extra power that's not normally allowed to certain systems by rerouting the power from, say, shields into uh, engines. So you just force everything and you're basically overloading the system temporarily to give yourself a boost. Um, Do you cause damage to the ship by doing that? I mean, if you hold it too long, the ship can't handle it and it will start damaging. But if you do it really quick to get a burst, so you need a really, really powerful photon blast or you really need to get out of there really fast. um, You can do that quickly and then undo it and then no harm, no foul. But the AI is not brave enough to do that. Hmm. Um, What's fun is that if you're the captain and you're in the, if it's just you with an AI crew and you get mad that your AI crew is stupid, you can jump into that seat and take over that position and do the thing and then jump back into the captain's chair. Oh, nice. And it's pretty seamless. Like the transition is quick. Yeah, it's really quick. Um, I was, I, I'm a sucker for detail and I was really impressed in that. Um, the, the sensor is smart enough to understand if you hold the control with your wrist up and you shift it so your wrist is down, the actual virtual model will reflect that motion. Oh, wow. And if your hands, if you're holding your hand above the control panel, your fingers will be further down. And if you hold your hands closer to the control panel, your fingers will move up. Um, so it's definitely virtual. It's definitely not realistic. But there's some very impressive, minute detail that they've put into these models. Some really nuanced sort of, yeah. really nuanced programming. Um, and I will say that one of the most fun things, it's part of why I love Tactical, is uh, if you're using the Vive wand, there's a circle pad on the front that's kind of your controller. And one of the commands is you can press to the left of the circle pad on the left control panel, and you'll jump to outside the ship you'll have like an outside the ship view. And so I kept launching phasers and then hitting outside the ship and turning around to watch it fly around and blast the other ship. I'm like, <laughs> blow up. Okay, now I'm back. Push the button. <laughs> blow up. Because <laughs> I'm a child. This sounds like a really cool game. So like, um, how do you, I guess, if you're, if you've got four people, you're still, let's say you're playing four player co-op, what would a mission look like? Or, you know, how do you get these? I guess what I'm confused about is how do you get these assignments and do you have the freedom of choice to do them however you want? Or, like, 
Um, Let's get so, into the nitty of gritty of what the doing a mission or an assignment actually looks like. To be fair, I have not played a full campaign yet. Okay, however, well, yeah, that's 40 um, hours, so. Yeah. Um, however, so you start out, and the captain is obviously head honcho, and so the right. captain will have, like, a mission objective, and then often there are, like, subdomains under that mission objective that help you get there. You can kind of do them in any order. Sometimes it makes more sense to do one before the other. Um but mission objectives can often change because things happen like, oh my god, there was a, a cloaked Vulcan ship just off of your bow. Um, okay. And similar things. Um, there's a great deal of strategy involved because the reason the ship is an NX, which is a an experimental version, is uh, this ship is designed to have such low energy levels when you have shields and weapons powered down that other ships can't detect you. So there's actually so it is kind a, of stealth. an interstellar spell, stealth component to this game. So you can go in guns blazing, but it might be smarter to power everything down and sneak in. Um, on top of that, there's a lot of nuances. Like if there's another ship nearby with life forms on it and their shields are down, if your shields are down, you can transport them on board. Um, the system is also smart enough to where if you are tactical and you have scanned the other ship and you see that there's a weakness, which the scan will tell you, like this part is weak, you can lock onto that weakness and fire your phasers specifically to target that that weakness. So that part of the ship as opposed to the ship as a whole. So for someone who's not, I, I'm not a huge Trekkie. I mean, I've definitely watched plenty of episodes. Yeah, sorry, I'm spewing um, nerd all over you. No, 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 it's totally fine. I, uh, like, I mean, I used to like it when I was a kid, but that was the, what did you call it, T TOS, the original series? Is the that original series, it? yeah. Yeah, I used to watch that as a kid, and I've watched a few Next Generations, and I remember watching some of the Voyager and stuff, but... Um, I tried Voyager. Poor Voyager. Yeah, I didn't like it. I couldn't, I hated the captain. Um, as, uh, as my friend, um, uh, Mike says, uh, in all the others, it was like, Captain! enemy approaching and he's like let's decide what to do and it would be like captain janeway enemy approaching shoot him in the ass sips coffee <laughs> <laughs> like it went to girl power <laughs> and i like girl well, power it went a little too girl power <laughs> right so um man i forgot what my question was gonna oh, be no. um oh no i got it so does it feel like as as a trekkie uh, yourself, does this feel like a pretty accurate representation of what you imagined it would actually be like to be on the bridge and be one of these important players in the operation of the of the ship? Definitely. Like, there's a lot of nuance that you have to learn, and that's just part of learning the position. Um, right. So I can definitely see people specializing in this because, again, I haven't played that much, but I've heard that single player and co-op actually have different missions. Oh, okay. Um, I believe that is true. If it's not, I'm sorry. I haven't played that much, guys. Um, but I have a... So I have a friend, Jared, if you're listening to this. Hi, Jared. Um, Jared has the original Star Trek manual from the original series. Jared has memorized bridge crews. Uh, bridge codes, bridge commands. Jared knows Star Trek better than most people. Um... And I, he sat down and played it for maybe 10 minutes today, and I made him take off the visor and talk to me. And he's like, that's the best thing I've ever done. Can I, <laughs> can I come in and play it this weekend? 
<laughs> that's the kind of that's the sort of the answer that I was looking for. Yeah, because to me, even as an outsider, uh, not an outsider. That's not the right word. But as someone who's as kind a of a casual, fan. a casual Star Trek yeah. fan, it seemed to me from what you said to be a pretty accurate representation yeah. of what I always imagined it to be like and how I remember the episodes working yeah, and the dynamic between the captain being like, all right, you, you know, do this or find me a way to do that. And then you down in engineering, I need extra power to this. Exactly. And that's what whatever. it feels like. Like if you want to jump to warp, you have to like, you have to set up, you have to give time for it to power up. And engineering has to power up the warp coil and then the navigator has a set amount of time to jump into warp before the warp coil has to depower to avoid wow. overloading. And fa- uh, phasers uh, automatically power up over time. You don't have to do anything. But the more you discharge them, the weaker the blast becomes. Whereas right. torpedoes, you have to specifically arm the torpedoes and wait for them to reload. And there's a limited number of reloads on it. Um, so there's definitely a lot of nuance that makes it feel accurate to the series. It takes time to, to to teleport people onto your ship. You have to have shields down. You have to lock on. You have to identify the sources. Then you have to wait for the teleport to happen. And you can only teleport Damn. six at a time. So if there's more than six, you have to do it again. This game sounds fucking awesome. It, like, is, I... <laughs> it, is, it is a nerd's wet dream. I mean, it yeah, is... It... It sounds ridiculous, and I am not, like I said, I'm not a huge Star Trek fan, but that sounds, I can, like, for me, I don't know if I'd be into it solo, like single player, but with three other people, that sounds like that would be maybe yeah. one of the greatest co-op experiences ever. And it is, you know, I, I've, I've read a little bit about a couple of the campaigns, because um, I cheated. Lord forgive me. I cheated. Uh, I just, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. It was, it's a Star Trek immersive 40 hour VR game. But you really, you're on the bridge of a, of a Star Trek vessel and it's experimental and you were out there testing these new systems and how far can you get without being detected? You know, it's really exciting. And you really do. Um, I think Ron had said in his in his he got a hands-on earlier Um, yeah i remember that yeah and he had said that everyone except for i think it was his tactical um was great and his tactical was the one person was driving him crazy and i in the little bit that i played the tactical couldn't seem to quite get it right when i played and i was like you know what i want to be tactical so i can be better than this person because at least i know i'm better than the ai right (laughs) so I got I got two questions for you off the top of my head, okay. real quick. Um, so the first one is, uh, like, are there different when you're doing these missions? Do you have different objectives? Like, you know, do you do you go to a planet to um, investigate and you end up having to eliminate like the enemy presence there, or do you go to a planet and you need to rescue some civilians, or sometimes do you just go to planets and you don't have an assignment and it kind of unravels as you get there, or like, is there a good mission variation so that you're not, it's not just like search and destroy? So again, I've only played the tutorial. Okay. Um, Maybe I should stop but, asking these questions. Well, it, it's definitely like they've already made it clear that there are going to be mission, like mission. There are going to be a lot of different goals, and you can approach them in different ways. Sometimes right. it will be, you know, get this, get this item or this person off the ship, and you have the decision of: Am I going to try to disable their shields, lock on, and teleport the person, or am I going to try to blow them up? Right. 
Um, so again, I can't say for certain. Um, it's also not entirely clear at this stage. By the time this airs, it might be a lie. But at this time, it's not entirely clear if it is one 40-hour campaign or if it's a 10-hour campaign from four different positions. Ah. We are not 100% sure. Do you know what they need next? They need red shirt boarding parties. Next. Yes! You can all, like, when you get to that point in a mission, you can all, like, you know, the ships just kind of stay in place or whatever, and everybody takes a part of the, you know, you get a four-man boarding team, and everybody gets to play one person on the boarding team, and then you just go in and shoot everyone or whatever. I'm not gonna lie, I want to be a red shirt and die a billion times. Wouldn't that be pretty damn <laughs> cool? Go so Go fun. into the actual transport room, and you see, like, the... I don't know what they even call that, but like the sparkly dust things in front of you yeah. as you're getting transported, and then you poof, you appear in a different room, and then start shooting everything up. I want, I want there to be goals for how many different ways you died. Yeah, like, I want awards for like you just, you just got killed by anti gravity not working. Or Why you did just you go in there? Jump to your death or yeah. something on accident, or you, yeah, or Captain Kirk punched you in the face and killed you, or right. You volunteered for a ritual sacrifice? You were the most right. red shirt, red shirt ever. What is wrong yeah. with you? <laughs> Did you really think Kirk was going to save you? So last last question, uh, at least that I can think of right now. If I was playing captain mm-hmm. and you've got, you said tactical navigation and then uh, engineering, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it might be well, trans- like uh, Navigation might not be the correct term, but it's the one I've got right now after having a okay. glass of wine. Um, so what would my role as a captain be? Because like when you watch the show, you know, the captain is not actually doing anything like they're not actually doing any action other than telling people and delegating, you know, they're like, they're coming up with the strategy in their head and commanding the crew and telling, you know, okay, navigation, we need to go here. Tactical, you need to shoot the phasers. Engineering, I need this. They're not actually doing anything. And so my question is, if you're playing captain, can all that stuff be done without you? And if it can, do you really need to even be there? So, like, is the captain actually essential in this game like they are in real life and like they are in the show? So the captain is the only person who gets the mission objectives and the subdomains of that. Okay. So your decision of how much of that you're going to communicate is part of it. You also have to be the bridge between, like, engineering wants full power to engines uh, tactical wants full power to phasers captain's going to have to be the deciding vote there captain's going to have to decide and a lot of that's going to depend on the mission objective and what's cool is as captain you can decide exactly how much or how little of that objective you're going to share so okay so hold on back up here like if um does that mean that navigation for instance cannot talk to tactical they can but, you okay. know, if, if there's a fight going on, it's the captain that's going to be the deciding. But the captain is your quarterback. The captain is your well, shot caller. Right. I, I understand that. And, and it, like that's how it works in the show, and that's right. how it works so like the, the in real life. The captain is the only one who's in contact with Starfleet. The captain okay. is the only one who gets the overall picture from Starfleet of what's going on politically, what the goal is. Um, by the way, you know, tactical will probably see, hey, there's hostiles coming in on the map, whereas uh, the captain might see, hey, you know, the, the Klingons have decided to break the truce, to break the treaty. They're coming for you. 
But so, I can't, okay. And Maybe to I'm be just... fair, again, I've only played the tutorial. Uh, but I know Ron and his hands-on, because I read a lot of that several times, Ron and his <laughs> hands-on said, like, he was amazed at just how much the captain had to do. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Good. That's what I was because, you know, when you think about it, I mean, like I said, I understand in the show and certainly in real life in the military, captains have a, a, an irreplaceable role. Right. Or if they are gone, there's an XO to stand in in their place. And, you know, there's a, there's people to replace them. But, but the, just what I was trying to say is like, do they do, you know, because since this is a, a game and not real life, it would be easy to create a game where, yeah, you have a captain's position but maybe he's not actually necessary kind of a thing because you can just choose to not do what I'm telling you to do. And everyone could just be like, Hey, we're just going to go do our own thing. And then the captain becomes completely unimportant. You definitely could. I played league of legends. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) I know that feeling of guys, we all have to do the same thing or else. Right. And then they don't do it. Win. Um, So it's interesting in that whoever takes on the role of captain, definitely, like, there's a, there's a signal that you should listen to this person. Right, of um, course. Again, like I said, I've only played the tutorial. Uh, I definitely had a lot to keep track of with, um, you know, it, it's part of your job to pay attention to everything. And it's part of your job to, hey, engineering, did you notice that this is down over here? Like, making sure that everyone's on top of their stuff also. You know, engineering has two different screens they have to flip between. And then on the one screen, the first screen, they have to flip between when am I assigning power and am I going to try to overload the system? Like there's a lot of moving parts for every position. And the captain really is important to kind of have a a step back, pay attention to everything. Plus, here's the information coming in from Starfleet. And oh, shit, our objective just changed. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm starting to get a better idea then of why. Of the, of the fact that the captain is actually important in the game. I was just wanted to make sure that's that they've got that in there. Because that seems like... I mean, it is. It is super important. Like, you can't... And you, from, you can't from, function without one. From the little bit I've experienced, you know, it, it starts off kind of slow. But it can definitely ramp up of, like, this has gone wrong. This has gone wrong. Enemies just decloaked. Um, you know, you're dealing with so much at once. Um that yeah i'm gonna play this tutorial a couple more times before i play with anyone else because uh, (laughs) well you better practice up for tomorrow then yeah it didn't well (laughs) so we are definitely gonna have to have you back on uh soon because i want to hear exactly how this went down with four people i am ridiculously intrigued to hear about this i do not yet have a vr rig uh, but this might I, like I'm not even a Trekkie fan, but this might be the game to 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 push me over the this edge. This is kind I'm... of you know I uh, I got to go to the IMAX VR Center uh, yep, back in February, I that. and yeah. you know they talked a lot about how people aren't making video games for VR because not enough people have VR rigs, and right. people aren't buying VR rigs because there's because there's not video enough games. games. Yeah, it's the chicken and egg thing. And this, you know, we've kind of, like I said, we've kind of been waiting for the game that will be the thing to make people want to buy a VR brick, that will be the thing that will make people want to invest. And this might be the thing. It could already be in my hands. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems... 
if there's any game out there that has the potential to do it, I, I think this is definitely one of the top contenders for that, for sure. I and, mean, and I will say from a completely non-gameplay point of view, uh, I had this experience when I played Homebound, um, but it was even more powerful in this one. Just the opening menu, before you've even started playing, you're on the shuttle going to the ship, and you're in outer space, and the Earth is over there, and the... the NX, it's not Enterprise, the NX ship is in front of you, and the, you can turn around and see the sun with solar flares going off behind you, and it is so amazing to just sit and look around before you even start the game. Damn. Well, yeah, it's official. We're going to have to have you on next week, because I want to <laughs> have to, I, I definitely, I want to hear about that. So, um, thanks for coming on this week. Thank you so much and... for having me. Yeah, and we will talk to you next week uh, to hear more about this and maybe some other stuff. Who knows? Who knows what you've got in the pipeline? You'll just have to check out Gaming Trend. Yes. <laughs> All right, thanks for coming on, Amy. Thanks for having me. Take care. Now we're going to go on to talking about Hitman again. I think this is maybe the third time we've brought it up here. Um, so just a quick recap. If you didn't play Hitman this last year, it... it Previously um, on Gaming Trend. Right. Hey, you know what? That's actually we should record that as a soundbite. That was pretty solid right there, Hunter. I like, you that. like that. Previously oh, on Gaming Trend, that was good. Um, <laughs> Each week we could like um, showcase a new editor saying, "Previously, previously on, on Gaming on Trend,", gaming trend. Yeah. or "Hey, listen <laughs> to Gaming Trend." Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I cut you off. Um, no, it's all good. So. Basically, Hitman last year did an episodic format. It was six episodes, I believe. And um, they had pretty underwhelming sales. It's uh, it's developed by a Danish company called IO Interactive. And the publisher is Square Enix, you know, of fame with uh, Final Fantasy and some other stuff like that. And because, well, we don't, we don't know the official reason why, but Square Enix has basically parted ways with io interactive and the report that i think we cited last week and it was just a report but the report is that the ip for hitman which is actually owned by square enix may end up staying with io interactive but i don't believe that's been confirmed at all at any point so don't take that as factual um but in light of this um i don't know what you want to call it dissolution i guess of their their business relationship io interactive has for the first time i think in a long long time had to start doing some layoffs um they haven't given any specifics as to how many people or for how long or you know what the what the near future or far future plans really are but um they are i guess square enix is currently looking for new investors to, to invest into IO Interactive, so we'll see how that pans out. I would imagine there's got to be some interest there. I mean, they make they make great games. They're always high-quality games. Square so. Enix is trying to help IO Interactive find a new publisher or investors? Is that what you said? They're trying to sell Yeah, because them, right? I think... That, right, they're trying to sell them, basically, is what it is. Because oh, I believe, so they haven't gotten rid of them yet. Yeah, I believe Square Enix... Um, owns IO Interactive. That happened a few years ago. They bought EDOS or however you say that. IDOS, EDOS. I never could pronounce IDOS, that. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. there was a some sort of purchase between square enix and that company which i believe at the time owned io interactive and that's how square enix acquired them and gotcha. now square enix is done and so they're trying to find people basically to buy io interactive i shouldn't have said investors i should have said i don't know purchasers i guess or something uh, but buyers buyers there you go hey good thank god we have hunter around yeah so anyway that's there's not a whole lot to say about that because that's pretty much all we know but um I, it's just I unfortunate have, yeah i think I, I would like to know i think the comment that io sent out was that um they're trying to help find um, or assist the people they're laying off as much as possible. I want to know what that looks like, because I've seen that before with other developers when they're forced to lay people off, which sucks. They say that you know they're providing assistance. I wonder what that assistance looks like for those people. Are they, like, do they have their bills covered for a couple months? Or is it just like, oh, we'll help you find a new job. Let's Let me reach out to some friends. I wonder what that looks like. I don't know, but... Um... Denmark, you know, because they're they're a Danish studio, and I know that Denmark has has pretty decent employee laws and uh, vacation laws, and you know, maternity and paternity and sick leave and all that stuff. So I would assume that there's got to be some pretty solid legal framework for IO Interactive to be assisting the employees somehow. I could be completely wrong about that. I, I don't pretend to know anything about Danish law, but that's a good um, assumption. After having been there a few times, and, and I know a few Danish people, and just seeing... I've read some stuff about some of their um, some of their policies, and that seems like something that the Danish government would would yeah. do. So, But that's just an assumption on my part. I'm not basing that on any information whatsoever. So, I don't think we're going to have any Danish people reach out to us at the, the Reboot Podcast email and say, How dare you say that... Our, our government helps with jobs. If anything, they would be excited about that lie, wouldn't they? Yeah, uh, exactly. Well, misrepresentation, sorry. Alternative Positive facts. Thing. We'll go with alternative yeah. facts. <laughs> the truth is, they yeah. just take all the people and throw them into the Baltic Sea and say, we're done with you. They wipe their hands. That's it. We're done. I'm actually really impressed that you know the Baltic Sea is near there. Because you could be lying, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's the North Sea, isn't it? It sounds impressive. Oh, thank you. I think it's the North Sea. Oh, wow. now we got to Google Maps this thing. Okay, let's hold go. on here. We're gonna find out. We're pa- pause on the the. Actually, I'm not. No, we're we're keeping this in. Let's I'm not go. editing this out. Yeah, this that. is great. It's too much damn we're work. We're doing this. Yeah. No, this and, and, the Baltic Sea is to the east. The North Sea is to the west. Oh, so they're sort of in the middle. So yeah, you're both right, and I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing we've 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 come away with from this from this quick little investigative work is that Josh and I are half right and Hunter knows nothing. Yes, and, I'm John Snow, guys. And I'm also, they don't really do that to the Danish people. No, they totally do. That's we we knew that beforehand. That that is a verifiable fact. <laughs> they definitely they chuck them into the Baltic Sea. Yep, for sure. But did you they, know that um, the island of Bornholm is a couple clicks east of Denmark. I bet you did. No. Well, since I just had Thank Google you. Maps pulled up, I found out a few seconds ago. 
And that's our geography podcast for the week. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, no shit. God, <laughs> how, way to get. We are we are absolute professionals getting off topic, but I kind of like it. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Add some flavor. Yeah. So, Josh, we were going to talk about your games dilemma this week. Okay. Not? Yeah. No, no. Were we, or, or did you want to talk about what you're playing first? Well, I mean, we, well, you... yeah, we can do. We can all talk about that. Um, why don't you tell us what you're playing and why you're having such such trouble figuring out what to play next? Well, now, see, now you're putting me on the spot and making me feel like I'm the only person in the world who has this issue. Oh, I'm sure that you're not the only person that okay. has this issue. Okay. I mean, I don't currently have I, it. I had but, a feeling. But, I had a feeling. And I have a feeling I know what your answer is going to be. Okay. But anyways. All right. So currently, because the first quarter of... I think we're actually technically past the first quarter of games of the year. Yes. I believe we're in the second quarter now. Yep. The first and the beginning of the second quarter of this year have been, no secret, absolutely bonkers. One of the best, period. So, like... I'm currently playing Injustice 2, playing Overwatch because of the new anniversary stuff, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. Um, I, I Rocket League for some reason because that's still cool. Um, uh, Binding of Isaac, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, I mean, and I'm forgetting some stuff. But the problem is, is I'm not fully invested in any of those games because I'm just kind of like trying all these games out to see if one's going to stick the problem is is it's not um <laughs> the question the que- my my question that i asked you guys in the slack chat was was basically i use the term paralysis by analysis it's like there's when i have so many things to choose from i basically just kind of stand there frozen and can't decide on what to play um i i think joe would love the phrase paralysis by analysis i miss you joe <laughs> r.i.p joe i i don't miss joe i'm glad we fired him keep going okay oh i thought he was dead never mind i thought we threw him into the baltic sea <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh is that well i it, did you do that with i, I mean Josh, maybe. don't yeah. tell everyone sorry, sorry. Yeah. damn it yeah there's, there's evidence erase that part <laughs> edit it out um i will edit it out it's cut it's cut good oh, um we're safe but no yeah i wanted to ask you guys like because I don't have an answer to this question. Do you guys, first of all, ever run into this problem? And if so, do you have a method of getting out of this like situation where you're stuck and you can't decide on what you want to play because there's too much stuff to choose from? I don't know. It's, it sounds crazy. Like, oh, I have too many awesome things. I'm just going to do none of them. That sounds stupid, but it's a real problem well, I have. <laughs> It's, yeah, the same, you know, it's the same thing with restaurants, right? Like you go to a, you, you're, you know, you're trying to plan a night out or if you're in a new city or whatever, and you're trying to figure out a place to eat and there's 15 different places that sound good and you don't really know much about any of them. It's kind of hard to make a decision sometimes. So I get it. Mm-hmm. I got it. Yeah. You know, when I'm in your situation with games, first I, you know, I look, I put together a list of all the games, you know, in my head that I want to play. And I, I think about it for a second. And then I go get, I go make a cocktail, and then I go. Do Is that for else. real? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> no, what what I typically do because this has happened to me a couple times. When I've, uh, GameStop does a buy two get one free pre-owned sale once or twice a year, and I, I've always 
the notorious for going crazy it is, but um, what I do is I look at the games that I've started, which you have, and I pick out the ones that I can beat the quickest because I know that I will be less stressed if I can if I only have a few games to play rather than a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'll beat the quick ones and then I go to the big ones. Plus you have Overwatch and um, Rocket League in there, which you can kind of ignore because those are uh, online and always persistent. Yeah, I mean that's that's the other thing too is the like you said, um, I I kind of I'm always in a battle between whether I should try and play like like Horizon Zero Dawn if I should just sit down and just burn through that. But, you know, put whatever 50, 60 hours into it and then, you know, be done with it and then try and move on to the next thing. But then at the same, but then while I'm playing that, I'm like, oh shit, all my friends are online playing Overwatch right now. You know, I I should be playing this multiplayer game while it's still kind of hot. Like for, for instance, I saw you guys, or you, Mike, played Battlegrounds. I'm not saying that one specifically, but who knows if all of a sudden that game's going to be a flash in the pan. What if, you know, a, a month or two from now, no one's playing that game anymore, and I missed out on this amazing Battlegrounds experience because I was playing a couple other single-player games. Like, I'm all, I Yeah, you could have played any time, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So, I'm always stuck hmm. on that. I'm trying to First think what I problems. do. I mean, that... RPGs are RPGs are hard because you have to invest so much time in them, and there's so many characters and stuff. It's easier to lose track than other games. So yeah, yeah i I don't find myself running into that problem very often um, because I have trouble focusing on so many games at the same time. I no 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 because it takes you it takes so long for someone to convince you to get a game. That's why you don't run into that problem. Um, how how many months how many months Mike did I say get Overwatch oh hell I don't know six a long since the beginning man and you got it I, and you By know what way, okay yeah I've got it but you know what's funny you haven't played it yet nope I got it Not installed I haven't even I booted the damn it. thing up I knew it. you're fired <laughs> it, Josh I, dude, this is I, your I show now like, yep. if I'm if I'm 100% honest Overwatch just looks stupid to me. It's it's it, it always has and it still does even now that I own it. And I I bought it because it was 40 bucks and because everyone raves about it and I figure I need to try it. But I got to tell you I am not excited about trying it because it just looks silly to me. No, but I could be totally wrong. The aesthetic throws be, you off. I I know I had some friends who were tentative about it because they honestly just didn't like the way the game looked. They didn't like the characters. They thought their, you know, their personalities were goofy. But I'm telling you, man, I've never seen a game, a class-based shooter I'm... like this that has 24 characters that are all equally fun to play. And it's, I, I, it's amazing to me, to be honest with you. But see, and I also just like, <clears throat> I'm just not super into class-based shooters in the in the in the way that you're talking about it. I mean, I know like. You know, Call of Duty. Well, actually, I don't think Call of Duty has it, but Battlefield. You know, it has classes. It's got recon and support and all that. And I realize that those are those are not analogous to the type of classes that you're talking about. Um, A little bit. 
a well, little bit. You have like offense, defense, support, and healers, basically. Yeah, that is, but is Overwatch classic. is more like a blown up version of Team Fortress. I never played Team Fortress, but sure. Yeah. Oh. No. No. Well. Yeah. Uh, Battlefield One. The, the, those are class light. Like you can have a team right. without a uh, a medic, and you're going to be fine. Whereas if you, a lot of times, if you're playing competitively, if you don't have a healer on your Overwatch team, you're going to lose. You just can't compete. Um, well, and and that's what I mean. I'm just I just never been able to get into the type of class based shooters that you're talking about. But maybe. Maybe Overwatch will be the one to prove me wrong. I mean, it is, it's no secret that Blizzard makes great games. So this game is super special. It it, it has right. flipped that genre over a thousand yeah over a thousand times. It's just it is the new gold standard for what a class based shooter is, and it's it's going to be around a while. So you have time if you want to ease yeah. into if it. <laughs> If there's one game that's going to do it, it's going to be this one. So I, I do need to just buckle down and boot that silly fucking thing up yeah, and start playing it. But Hey, Josh, um, you know what? Overwatch character reminds me of Mike. Hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Soldier. <laughs> Soldier 76. <laughs> Sol- Soldier is the dad, the old dad of this he's the new that's his meme oh man sounds like i'm gonna be playing soldier 76 to begin with have you and he is the most uh shooter generic character too. exactly he is the entry point perfect um excellent hunter did you see from for the anniversary did you see his dance emote no i didn't which one is it oh my god his is uh his is basically how a dad dances. He claps his hands. Oh, no. He claps his hands all excited, and he points like, "Get ready to do this!" And then he just kind of, kind of just derps around, like doesn't know how to do oh, anything. All awkward. It's it's great. Go look at it. It's perfect dad That's dance. Yeah. I'm editing that segment out. You guys disgust me. This is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> um, no, you no, know, I'm if not. Joe were here, it, it would be. Three, it would be yeah. 3v1 because I realize that. you were the minority, Mike. Yeah. yeah, I know. I am going to play it. I really am going to play it. I did get um, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds and started playing it. Oh, so, yeah. you know, we're halfway there. Uh, the, the immovable object has been moved a little bit. So I'm, oh, wow, the I'm, on, I'm on my way. Yeah, but to, to go back to what Josh was talking about, um, I think basically all I do is I, like, if I get into that position where I can't pick which of four, eight, or ten games or whatever that I need to play. I kind of just pick one, and I run with it until I'm done. And then and then I move on. And very rarely will I put one down once I've picked it up, unless I'm having a really shitty time. Yeah. So, um, and that's... There's an important life lesson in that, too, I think. You know, you just... Like, when you're picking spouses, you just pick one, and you move on. Yep. The one with the most gold... Wait, Wait, and move on? You just pick a spouse and move... Hunter, man, you are all over the fucking place. What do you, what do you got going on over there, dude? Like, we're, we're comparing He's, games lists to oh, spouses, and go. not only that, but you just, like, pick them up and drop them? Solve, I just solved <laughs> no, the problem. I, I meant to say exes, and then I'm like, crap, I said spouses, so then I just stuck with it. <laughs> Picking spouses oh. is very difficult. That's why they have arranged marriages. I should have arranged gamings. They, someone else just picks the game that I play. That I don't is, have see, to worry about it. In my little interjection, Mike, just led Josh yes. to the answer to his problem. Yeah. He just asked somebody else. That's it. Boom. Done. Wow. 
So what this, game am I gonna well, play? Well, you know. <laughs> uh, what are our choices? Yeah, you know what? That's what we're we're gonna we're gonna have an arranged gaming for you. So what? Yeah, what game? What are our potential game suitors for you? I mean, you name it, I have it. Um, well, let's hear it. What are the potentials? Overwatch, Horizon Zero Dawn, no, Injustice. Overwatch 2. is out. Um, what else is there? Horizon Battlegrounds, Zero Dawn. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Dead Cells. Um, I heard that was good. I know. They're all good. All video games are good now. That's the problem. You know what? Let's call the developers and tell them to make more shitty games. So that way... Yeah, you know... So... I, I heard that when uh, when Red Dead... The new Red Dead was delayed. Some of the game developers from other studios were, like, tweeting, Yeah! Like, hooray! Because <laughs> now they don't have that competition at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. So I think out of all of that, I mean, you're going to like, like Hunter said, Overwatch is persistent. So you can pick that up and like whenever you want, you can pick it up and stop it whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think player unknowns battlegrounds is a good idea because that's, it's super popular right now. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. It's, it's really intense. Um, and the, the dev team is really involved. Like they're releasing patches very quickly and very regularly mm-hmm. and they i think they are aiming to have it in early access for only six months and we're probably we're at least a couple weeks in now so they might be closing in on five months already and um i bet they'll do it i, I bet they if if they don't hit six months six months they'll get it close to six months so i would try it out it's uh it's pretty damn fun yeah of those lists i would say um we can probably rule out Overwatch because it does have the anniversary event going on right now, so you get the anniversary loot boxes if that speaks to you. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I, I don't care about those. If it was, like, you know, the Junkenstein's Revenge or the Uprising events, then I would say play Overwatch. But I think I agree with Mike. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds because it is hot, and it. Um, I don't imagine that game being um, as popular forever. Yeah, I see. What you, yeah, yeah. Because uh, for some reason, I, I make this the connection battlegrounds. I it always I always think of Daisy, and I remember just watching videos of that game and all the like the crazy experiences people were having in that game. Like people, yeah. like player created stories that just were just amazing that I just didn't experience because I just didn't get a chance to play that. So, yeah. I, I, Battlegrounds, yeah, I think that'll be sounds good. There's not quite as quite as much of that in in Battlegrounds as there was in DayZ. Mm-hmm. Um, in in Battlegrounds, there's really kind of two things that happens when you encounter people. You either run as soon as you see them and hope that they didn't see you or hear you because you would just prefer to avoid uh, contacts and mm-hmm. hope that that ups your chances of survival, or you just go aggro as fuck. And you attack them and try to kill them and get them out of the way. That's yeah. that's it. Like there's no, hey, do you have yeah? It's food a battle royal or game. something. Yeah. Like it's just fucking. There you are. I'm running or I'm killing you. Well, ha- have you played? Have <laughs> you played it. in a squad or have you been playing mostly alone? Because I've noticed the dynamic done... changes. Yeah, Josh, squads. Soldier def- seventy six. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've played with a couple people, asshole. 
<laughs> um, but uh, it does change, and and the more people you have, you're definitely at an advantage, which is something I actually kind of feel like they need to address a little bit, and hopefully they will. Um, maybe they can have separate servers or something like that, where it's you know solo play only versus teams only or something. Because I mean. You know, the counter argument, of course, is going to be, well, you have to kill your buddies at the end if you all survive anyway. But when you're in a big team, it really um, it really increases your chances of making it much further. Yeah. yeah. So I at least I get not necessarily, I guess, but I feel like it certainly does. The if only playing- thing you really have going for you if you're solo is that you can go undetected and unnoticed much more easily. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Um, outside of that, you're basically every disadvantage is yours. So, if you're playing with friends, does it spawn you in the same place, or do you have to find each other? Well, no, you so, have to coordinate, right? Right. Yeah. So the way it works is when the match starts, you're all in. Um, you're all in like a troop transport plane. I think it's a C one thirty. All the and planes. you're flying, not just your squad. All of them. <laughs> it's like a, if every single one. If it's a full, yeah, yeah. all hundred people are in one plane, and yeah. Yep. Jeez. And you fly over this island. It's always the same island. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have more at some point. I, I'm assuming they probably will build more build more places at some point. But it's a really big island. And every time the match begins, the plane flies from a different direction. So you might be coming, you know, you might be coming down from the northwest or you might be coming up from the southeast or yeah. whatever. And it, it goes in a straight line so that you can predict the path that it's going to take across the island and you can kind of look at the map and try to see where the convenient areas are going to be after you jump out that sure. you can get to. So the way it generally works is you, as soon as you get into the plane, you pull up your map and you, you see, you know, you can see the little cities um, and the places that look like they probably have loot, or maybe you want to go somewhere where there aren't any buildings and just try to lay low. And you just, you put your marker on the map and you jump out as close as you can to that marker, um, free fall down, and then um, your chute will actually automatically open, which I think is something that a lot of people are asking to go away. They want to be able to pop their chute as late as they want with the risk of just, uh, you know, meat missling it straight into the ground. <laughs> meat missling it, I like that. And uh, so... Like, if you're on a team with a bunch of people, you need to mark your point, which they can all see, and then you need to all actually get there individually, which isn't too hard if you're parachuting. You can usually land within 100 meters of each other and then just start ransacking buildings together. So it's pretty easy to coordinate with the team. Yeah, but, like, the the cool thing I've seen from watching people play this game is when you select a point, out of the other 100 people, you don't know where they're selecting to drop they could be dropping before you after you at the same spot so when you drop out you're immediately turning your 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 camera 360 degrees to see if there's people dropping around you and you know yeah like you're you and you may look and you may see five other people decided to drop at the same point and you're all just when you hit the ground it's just instant chaos like chaos. trying to figure out oh, what to man. do you either run to go get weapons yeah. or you hide or you're fist fighting oh, it sounds like so much fun yeah well the- yeah and that happened to joe and i um just yesterday or the day before we we found like a, a little area that had a couple buildings kind of spread out 
and a road going through the middle of it. And we figured there weren't going to be too many people going there, so it was probably safe. And we jump out, parachutes open, and we're floating down under canopy. And then we look around, like you said, the 360-degree view, and, and all of a sudden, oh, shit. There's like eight people yeah, they in all our had immediate the same area. <laughs> yep. That road, all that dropping down. Safe. And... Yep, and Joe and I were the two poor sons of bitches that managed to make it right in the middle of all the buildings and not near enough to any of them in comparison to everyone else. <laughs> so we ran to one building, the one that was closest, already saw two guys going in, which is like a 90% chance that they're going to pick up at least a pistol. And so we ran the other way and then made it. Yep. You can, um, but it doesn't do much damage, especially if someone has body armor and a pistol. Gotcha. And we ran across the road away from the first building and just got destroyed on like the hillside on the way up. It was literally like we were in the match for less than five minutes and we were dead. Oh, <laughs> that stinks. Yeah, and then... But the good thing is there's so many people playing it, you can get back into a match again very quickly. And I it can go... Yeah. You know, I've gotten as high as... I think my very first match, I got like 12th place. So out of a hundred, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's fun real quick. One of the videos I saw that really sold me on this and made me want to, and I'm, I don't know if you and Joe are going to continue to play, but I would like to jump on with you guys at some point. I forget who, Absolutely. I forget who it was. I think it was, I think it might've been the giant bomb guys, but they, it was three of them. They were all together kind of just, you know, going to different houses, you know, picking up loot. And they it was kind of a relaxed situation. They were kind of talking. And there was a kind of an open field between two buildings. And they were going mm -hmm. almost into another building. And all of a sudden you hear, ping, a sniper shot. And one of their characters gets hit and goes down. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit. And they all run into the building. And he's outside, like, bleeding out. And they're all like, where is he? Where is the sniper? And it was, it was the next 15 minutes of them trying to get him into the house to revive him while the other guys popping shots off from, you know, some building they couldn't even see. And then it got to the point where they were all okay and everyone's proned. Where is he? Or do you see him? You know, and it was just this really tense, like it felt like it was scripted, but it was just, it was all just happening organically in this world. And it, it was so cool. So I, yeah, it's, it's insane. The shit that you get into, like, you, I read an article recently that said like the 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 biggest thing in player unknowns battlegrounds is doors mm. because at the beginning of each match all of the doors if if there is a door in a building you know because sometimes there's just entryways that are open there's no door on them but if there's a door it will always start the match closed mm -hmm. so anytime you see an open door that Someone's means been someone has been through it now they can close it behind them so they can you know, they can make it look like no one's in there. But anytime you see an open door, that means someone has been in before you. Yeah. So, and like, it is just crazy. You can, you, it is, it is insane the amount of time you will go without seeing anyone. And then all of a sudden you'll hear a car or you'll hear a gunshot really, really close. And you didn't even know there was anyone nearby. And then everything changes. You, you know, you're. One minute, you're just sort of like, do-do-do, yeah, okay, picking up this M4, getting some body armor, put on the stupid motorcycle helmet, you know, grab a fucking med kit or whatever, and then all of a sudden, pop, 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 you hear a bunch of firepower, and 
you know, the immediately. The Hunger Games game I've always wanted. Yeah. Dude, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Like, it, it goes from calm, a little tense. You're kind of, you know, you got your head on a swivel. You're checking your, checking your corners, checking your six as you're moving along. And then all of a sudden, just shit just gets intense. Yeah. And you either live or die. <laughs> I, I, hear, I hear the sound design in that game is a huge player. Like it is, if you're, and it, yeah, I heard that as well. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Um, like the the assault rifle shots that are that kind of happen in the background are are pretty accurate to to real life. Yeah, and the like if you're in a building, you can hear other people's footsteps. Yes, that's crazy to me. And like it it is creepy as fuck. Yeah, you don't know where you're, they you're are, but you can just just looking for bandages, and all of a sudden you hear a door open downstairs, and it's just oh shit somebody's yep. here <laughs> and yeah it's just like, and it's oh man okay and it's hilarious because you really don't want to talk to your buddy at all because you don't you don't want your voice to be going over the sound in the game yeah because you want to know what that enemy is doing and the same thing is true of your friend your friend doesn't fucking want you to talk yeah because oh, they want to know where the footsteps are but you have to talk to be able to coordinate what you're going to do so it to is whisper. totally yeah it, it no really like joe joe and i will be in game i'll be like dude i think he's i think he's downstairs which is totally stupid yeah. because no one can fucking hear us yeah it's, but we're but we're still whispering it taps like, into like a very real like not fear but you're just you're so tense and your adrenaline is like it's okay i'm sold on this is the game of play yes yes <laughs> It mimics the experience of you actually being there yep. and experiencing that kind of stress. Your voice would get lower. You wouldn't want to say anything, but you do want to. I mean, all those things you described are what you would experience in your life. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I. That's what's awesome about games is their ability to um, put you in you. situations that you wouldn't otherwise really experience IRL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely it's definitely immersive. It's very very immersive, and the. Um, like a lot of people probably complain about the gunplay, um, but I've shot a lot of assault rifles, and uh, it's pretty realistic. Mm-hmm. So, and you got to think. I don't know if I said this to you guys, but Blue Hole is a Korean developer, and in Korea they have conscription military service. Mm. So it stands to reason if you if you figured that the majority of the people working at the studio are men and that's probably a safe assumption 80% ish maybe more it stands to reason that almost all of the people working on that game with the exception of Brendan Green because he's Irish um have actually served in the Korean military before so they know what the hell firing assault rifles is really like yeah so keep that in mind um but anyway, you should play it, and actually, we're going to play it together, Josh. We'll we'll do it. We'll do a team, and then you, me, and Joe. When Joe gets home from his vacation, we'll do a three man team. All right, sounds good. I'm pumped. And Hunter, you better get your hands on it. Yeah, I will. I'm getting a, a nice rig here once the checks start rolling in for my new job. Ooh. I'm a waiter at Texas Roadhouse. What up? There you go. <laughs> hey, what up? Pays the bills. Yeah. I gotta exercise uh, well, my 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 flare pieces, right? Yeah did you <laughs> did you understand did you understand that reference? I mean, I no, know I, I sent the video. I did watch but... the video. <laughs> I, I didn't, but I appreciated it was Jennifer Aniston. Uh well, you need to watch that movie really badly. What? Oh, it was a movie. 
Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's Office Space. Office Absolute classic. Space. Yeah. Hilarious, hilarious comedy. And you know what? You'll probably enjoy it just because it's going to seem so dated to you. Because, uh, like, there's this part where they're, they're, they're handing floppy disks back and forth. And, you know, the monitors are, like, old-school CRTs. And they're still talking about... This is really going to date me if you don't know what this is. But they're talking about updating bank software for the Y2K switch. Do you know what Y2K yes, was? Yes, I do know what Y2K is. Because oh, there's one okay. episode of My Name is Earl where they think Y2K is happening. So they all um, go to a grocery store and they hold up, hold up in the grocery store and overnight and it turns into a turf war. And then they wake up the next morning and it's okay. Okay, well... That's a big, it's not a big part of it, but that's what the main character's job is. Um, but absolutely hysterical comedy done by Mike Judge, the guy who did Beavis and Butthead. But the humor is nothing at all like Beavis and Butthead. Absolutely nothing like it at all. It's brilliant. It's Yeah, brilliant. I'll, I'll I, give it a watch for sure. Yeah, you should. I think it's one of the best comedies of the last 20 years. Hunter, Hunter will watch Office Space when you play Overwatch. Yeah. Yeah, Mike. Ooh. Okay. Uh, uh, ex- deal accepted. Okay, I'll I'll boot Overwatch up tonight. I will see where I can find Office Space. Twenty four hour Walmart Perfect. near you. But I need hard proof, Mike. You'll have to like tweet me a pic so that and you and have not to be just, playing a Soldier seventy six. Yeah, and not also. just like the menu yeah. screen. You have to be like in a game. Yeah. Does it need to be? I could just do a little video. There you go. And send you it could to do you. that as well. Yeah. I'll just take one with my phone so that I don't have to like upload it or anything. But yeah, okay, I'll I'll, I'll take a video. Okay, once I have the uh, the evidence, then um, I'll I'll look up that movie. And okay, when... and I will need evidence of you watching Office Space then in return, sir. Okay, I'll, I'll tweet a pic as well. We should come up with a hashtag for our shenanigans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hashtag prove it or something. I don't. Yeah, know. hashtag prove it. I bet that's a thing too. It probably is. We'll do it. Okay. All right. Well, gentlemen, I think we're gonna we're gonna call it a night. Um, it's been so fun. for everyone out there for listening. Thank you for joining into more of our crazy, off-topic shenanigans and yeah. stupid, useless information. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we had some great discussion tonight. Actually, yeah. I think we did too. I actually think we did too. We all um, learned where the Baltic Sea was. Yes, yes, and that um, in Denmark it's federal law to throw laid-off employees into the Baltic Sea to drown. Yes. Right? We, we talked about that too, didn't oh, we? Oh, God, I'm so bad. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a shit human Note being. to self, don't move to Denmark. No. And, and we also talked about what 10 clones of Hunter would do sitting around a campfire. Oh, yeah. We did. I, you know, this is, a, this is a new segment we need to do is the GT Reboot Recap, where we, we talk about the useless shit that, or we summarize the useless shit that we talked about in the episode. Yeah, this is good. It's a great idea. It's not redundant and, at all. And it just sparked a new idea. What oh, if God. We, what if we applied um, Josh's campfire scenario to other popular game characters? Ooh. I like what, that. What would. What I would mean, the fairy in Zelda say around a campfire? Oh, my God. Oh, hey, gosh, listen, hey, listen, hey, listen. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. <laughs> just all. Just, no, you listen. No, you. And then it just like devolves into like this Jerry Springer episode where they're all fighting. No, bitch, you listen. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, you can follow. Oh, I don't know. Was I going to say me or was I going to say I'm going to say Hunter first, just because yeah. you're you're the youngest, so you can go first. I'm assuming you're the youngest, right, Am Josh? I? Yeah, I'm old. Like, yeah, soldier okay. seventy six. Yeah, my birthday was this week. Shameless plug. Oh, art twenty two. Yeah, I'm 22. My oh, T-Swift okay. birthday. Also my golden birthday, because I turned 22 on May 22. Whoa. I don't know what a golden birthday is, but all right. Um, That's, you it's can... when you turn your age on this uh, the respective day of the month. Oh, I had that. My That was my very first birthday. Very good. But uh, anyway, you can follow <laughs> Hunter on Twitter. At uh, Hunter underscore Wolf with an E, right? That's right? Yes, sir. That's right. Okay. And Josh, I I have to admit, I don't know your Twitter handle by name. What is it? That's because I barely tweet. Uh, J- ah. JDevlin24T. That's been my name for everything since my Golden Week birthday, which was... <laughs> who knows? Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, and you can follow me. Uh, my Twitter handle is Grumpy Gamer. That's Grumpy with two R's. And you can email the hosts, Joe and I. Uh, our address is podcast at gamingtrend.com. And uh, just go to Gaming Trend, check out all our news, reviews, um, and information, and stay tuned for our next podcast next week. Thanks for See joining ya. us. See ya.